there is a bone in Gilead to make the wounded Choirmaster, according to the Doe of the Dawn, a Psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones." They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you, comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. 
The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive, posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to the people yet unborn, that he has done it. Psalm 22 in the ESV. Well, hello and welcome to another Balm and Gilead podcast. I am your effervescent host, Grant Baker, and sitting uh, all the way over in St. Louis is my beloved co-host, Brian. How are you tonight? I'm doing or just today, fine. depending on when people are actually listening to this, you just never can tell. You never can. The tell. Beauty of asynchronous uh, communication. Yes. If that you want true. to communicate yeah. with us, you can reach out to us on slack.techreformation.com. Join our Slack team and head over to the Balm and Gilead channel where you can interact with fans of the show and submit your thoughts on what we should cover. Um. Brian, yeah. can they email us at all? They sure can at there is at balmcast.com. When we first came up with that email address, when you look at it on the page, it looks like it says there is a balm. And so, because uh, the ad <laughs> we thought it, it was is fun. fun. So that's yes. why we did it. It is fun. That's how you will remember it. There is at balmcast.com. Right. Not balmandgilead.com. Or you can just go yeah, to balmcast.com. Balmcast, like podcast, but balm. If you go to balmandgilead.com, you'll get some sort of website about yes, medicinal herbs. Which is not what we're here about, but what we are here about is some follow-up. Yeah. So first of all, I, I wanted to say happy birthday, oh, Grant. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And for those of you playing at home, over this past uh, week, Balm and Gilead turned Ta-da! Yay! Ta-da! Yes, we turned one, and I didn't think about it last time that we were recording. I almost posted something on the 13th on uh, the Slack channel, but I remembered on the 15th. Well, uh, this being episode number 22, uh, depending on how we're counting, but yeah, 22. It's uh, pretty great. Yeah. You know, a lot of Technically. podcasts don't make it that long. So uh, I guess we are just continuing on. Or we're, we're, we're either stubborn or we're good. And I'm going to go with good. Yeah. Yeah. And so as a bi-weekly podcast, being at the one year mark and having already released 22 numbered episodes, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty close. Technically this is like episode 26 or 27, which is actually yeah, even better. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, and uh, later tonight we are going to record you in the next one and it's not going to be numbered either. <laughs> yes. Spoiler alert. So what other follow-ups uh, do you got? I, I mostly have one. Uh, and that was in the last episode, I I said that I included the Psalms as type zero music after someone had suggested it possibly as a joke. And that statement from last episode uh, spawned the only conversation on the Slack channel about last episode. So uh, 
I, I don't know why in particular uh, we talked about that, but I wanted to clear it up. Um, I do. I did not think that the quote unquote type zero was the joke. So when I said that I thought that they said they, that Psalms were type zero music was a joke, I wasn't saying that <laughs> type zero, that's dumb. That must be a joke. No, I knew that type zero was a thing. I just thought that the suggestion of this adding a category of the Psalms was kind of done as a joke, but we did it anyway because we actually liked it. Yeah, I was going to say, are you and saying I don't, that the Psalms I, are a joke, Brian? <laughs> no. um, that's why we're doing a whole lot of podcasts on it. But um, no, I, I did want to say I, I I was well aware that saying something that uh, was type zero was a thing. Uh, specifically, like you know, patient zero would be the first patient uh, infected with a disease like the zombie apocalypse disease or COVID or anything. Uh, so yeah, I'm aware. Um, I I I thought the joke was that hey you should include the Psalms on your list, but I thought you know that's a good point. So I don't know if it was a joke or not. I just kind of thought it was at the time. Uh, so I went ahead and said that's a really that's that's a solid idea, even if it was a joke. So I added it. Um, but I didn't want to change the title of the document to the six types of music because it was still you know focusing on the five types written by men. So I, that's what I kind of changed it to. Uh, but I did want to say that I am in, uh, toying around with the idea of of more clearly defining the half types of music. So like type 0.5 would be like a, a loose psalm paraphrase. It's meant for the church, um, but it and it's based on a psalm, but it isn't necessarily like the word for word of the psalm. And we'll talk about a lot of those in episodes to come as well. And, and I already kind of talked about like the one and a half type, which is the song that's written both for the radio and for church. And, um, and so I, I kind of, uh, once I go through and clearly define the five types and do episodes on the five types, I, I might go back and kind of look at like, what would the half types be? So I just wanted to throw that out there, but I still plan on keeping it the five types of music. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. That's I mean, we, anywhere yeah. ways that we can like subdivide things, I think is just better all around. Uh, get a little yeah. more clarity on things. Anyway, uh, we're, we're unraveling the taxonomy of uh, Christian music, really. Uh, yeah. If you will. I will. Um, sure. So uh, let's uh, let's get into the show. Let's get into it. So. Normally, at this point in the show, we will have our icebreaker. Last time, we had a really fun game that lasted 14 hours. And, it always seemed um, like 14 hours. <laughs> and I had to edit that down quite Hey, possibly. I think you got all the highlights. But we had a lot though. of fun. You cut out a lot I of did, me going, I did. It uh, was, oh, I should know that. Ah, uh, stuff like that. So that yeah, was pretty much. That's I pretty much all that. I cut. Um, so this time we are actually going to skip the icebreaker i I had an idea for one yeah this show is uh, not short on ideas but if you want to submit any no feel free to write us at grant's home address (laughs) um and uh so i I had this idea there are these two albums in particular uh one is called lamentations by bifrost arts 
and the other is called uh, Daughter Zion's Woe. Yeah, brand new. And brand new, brand spanking new. Hot off the presses, so to speak. Uh, Not even on Spotify yet, Um, which is why I've been listening to it on uh, Bandcamp, and I listened to it so much on Bandcamp that they said you have to buy it to actually listen to it again. Um, So anyway, um, so I, I should just buy it, but... I'm just waiting for it to come to Spotify. Um, anyway, that said, instead of doing an icebreaker where we rush through the the uh, the songs to try to get to the main topic, we decided instead we are going to um, record it after we record this particular episode and um, release it uh, probably in a week. Uh, just as a bonus episode. So I kind of alluded to that earlier. We will have a an episode 22 part bonus. I don't know what we'll call it. Something like that. But uh, I didn't want to go straight into episode 23 because I, we had a happy, surprise, inadvertent, cool lining upness of this particular episode because the uh, psalm we read just a little while ago, was a lament. Uh, probably one of the more famous of the laments. I should say, and, yeah, for sure. And next episode, episode 23, we plan on doing praise. And Psalm 23 is one of the more famous praise psalms. So that just happened to line up, and I was very happy about that. Um, I will not lament over it. <laughs> Well, yeah, also, also, uh, working on this particular episode, it's going to be long. Like this may be, we're going to hope, I hope not to hit the two hour mark on this particular episode. So we wanted to, uh, buckle up. Yes. Cause this is going to be a good one. So I guess the question on anyone's mind right now is what are you talking about? Lament? What is that? All right. Um, so a lament is, uh, it's a type of Psalm or it's a type of poem or just a type of writing, uh, where essentially we, we struggle with the, the darker side of, of things. We, we struggle, we wrestle through our suffering. Uh, we wrestle through hard questions like why would God, God, why would you let me go through this? You know, what, what? Um, you know, why, how can you be good if you allow this evil? Um, and so, uh, so that, that is what a lament is. And, uh, kind of a little known fact, there are more lament Psalms than there are of any other one type of other Psalm. So lament is the heaviest category of psalms in the Psalter. Yeah, according um, to like one source I read, I thought there were like of 69, 65, something like that, of the 150, uh, those, uh, that many are actually lament psalms, which is uh, quite a bit, you know, considering um, the kinds of songs that we typically sing. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I actually think that it's a grievous error uh, that there's a lack of, of lamentation in like CCM. Um, but, and this is something I kind of said last time, it's really hard to promote 
the idea of lamentation when the biggest CCM radio station has the tagline positive encouraging. So it's, it's, it's hard to lament when you're trying to be positive and encouraging all the time. Not that lamentation is negative and discouraging. Uh, they can be very, you know, uplifting in their, in the root, but it's like, it's uplifting. Like Ecclesiastes is uplifting. You have to really sit there and meditate on it to see the, the silver lining sometimes. Um, you know, a lot of times you just want to go back to the Proverbs and hear the, the fun, good stuff, but you know, reading through Ecclesiastes is a little bit of a downer. <laughs> so the the lament psalms, um, like Psalm twenty two, they're they're dark. Like they are um, they they are are tough to really process. They're they're not as fun as the, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Those are those are happy, positive, encouraging psalms. But my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know that one. That one's a little bit harder to swallow. Um, but I did want to mention that when a true lament makes it through in the CCM, like when it actually makes it onto the radio and it makes it into a hit, it goes big and far. Um, there is a, an interesting, uh, an interesting example is the song "Thy Will" by Hillary Scott uh, won a Grammy the year it came out as as the best CCM song of the year. Um, and one of the other songs that was up for it was um, I Will Trust by Lauren Daigle, which is the, you know, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. Uh, when you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. Um, when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust. I will trust in you. I mean, that's that's a really, you know, good example of, of lament as well. But thy will is just like gut-wrenching um, like when I when I saw the list of songs that were up for that year, mostly because Chainbreaker was also up for it, and I was a friend of Zach Williams and uh, excited that his first single was nominated for a Grammy. And I looked at the other songs and I was like, "Oh, you're not gonna win this one, Zach. This one's going to Hillary." Like I can I can tell that one just by looking at the names of the songs. Um, but yeah, that song was a true lament and. It, it made it it made it really big and uh, I'll say that I will trust is probably one of the ones that kind of thrust Lauren Daigle into the limelight as well um, she's still she's still at number one is she I never checked I should have is she I didn't I didn't check either we should make that our our uh, the, a point of, of checking the you say every, watch every time. yeah the, I mean the you, you said so, so so yeah we'll we'll follow that one up sometime in the future but uh yeah so that's it you know part of the reason that we see positive encouraging in such a light it's not so much the words like encouraging uh, something that is encouraging may be a lament a lament can be encouraging we're going to see uh as we go through tonight isn't it wonderful that the psalms is such a great picture of how we can pray to god Mm -hmm. um where you know this is scripture where people are reaching out to god with extreme hurts um Mm -hmm. probably more than we will ever face and you know it's okay like god is okay with us asking big questions and uh that's i think what we see in these lament psalms you know god why is this happening to me and so we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit but 
Um, one of the things that I hope you can take away from this is that uh, positive encouraging doesn't necessarily need to mean um, happy, skippy, jumpy. Uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it broadens uh, that meaning for you. Yeah. And, and I, I would like to posit uh, that this idea of the un- how the positive encouraging is marketed and how it is received, I think it makes people afraid to lament. It may, it, it um, in just our, our culture, people don't know how to, they think it's wrong. Like why, like they yeah. think that, that you have less faith if you're lamenting, right. but something that's important to note in Psalm 22 even though David wrote it while he was running from Saul and hiding in caves, the voice of Psalm 22 is, is Jesus. I mean, it's, it is God himself lamenting while dying on the cross. And so, um, we should be very encouraged to lament because God himself lamented when he was in his darkest hour. And so, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of point that out. Um, so, kind of getting into this idea of like, you know, what is a lament? Like, how can we look at something and say, "Hey, this is a lament," as opposed to say, like a dirge? Um, right. A dirge is is very different. Uh, a dirge is usually about if someone dies and you are uh, mourning the loss of a person. Um, surely a, a, a dirge can be a lament, um, but in and of itself is not. Um, also you can have, uh, this idea of questioning God and it very well not be a lament in that it's questioning God too much. Like it's walking away from God in the questioning as opposed to drawing near to God in the questioning. But uh, I wanted to kind of go through, uh, in the pattern of lament, um, like boiled down into its rawest forms, we have uh, addressing God as God, um, bringing your legitimate grievance to God, and resting in the promises of God. Uh, And while that is, it's kind of boiled down, you know, all the most that you can that still raises a lot of questions. It doesn't answer a whole lot of questions. I'd say that it raises more questions than it answers. And we'll get through, um, through some of those through the course of this particular, um, episode, but some questions you might be asking is, you know, what is it? How would you address God differently as God? You know, what does it mean to address him as God? You know, what constitutes a legitimate grievance and, and how can you rest in God's promises, if, if you're if part of your lament is questioning God's goodness, and uh, right, hopefully we will have answers for a lot of those. Though some of the some of the questions that are raised, we do, we can't answer the side of eternity. Sure, yeah. Uh, one of the other things that's good to look at too is how the laments are typically structured. So um, in his book, How to Read the Psalms, Tripper Longman III uh, goes into a bit of um, more depth about the lament structure. And he notices, uh, points out seven different uh, aspects to laments. Now, not every lament is going to have all seven of these, but oftentimes you're going to find, you know, many of these together. 
Um, so the the first one is invocation, and really what that is is just you know kind of addressing God as God, like you were saying, and bringing that plea to God for help is number two. So there's both an addressing God, pleading to God for help, bringing Him your complaint. That's number three. What is the reason for crying out to God? Number four, a lot of times you're going to see a confession of sin or, um, conversely, an assertion of innocence. Uh, David wasn't always guilty of everything that he, or the psalmist wasn't always guilty of the things that uh, you know he was being accused of. Many times you see in the psalms that, uh, that the psalmist actually is crying out for justice because, look, I haven't done these things, and God, you know that I haven't done them. And so uh, we see that in the Lament Psalms as well. A fifth one uh, structure, a piece of laments, are cursing of the enemies. This is a difficult one, especially for us in the 21st century. Uh, Sometimes you call, uh, hear them called the imprecation psalms. And we'll get into that in a little bit too. Uh, Then there's number six, a confidence in God's response. You know, God will respond. God uh, is um, not going to leave his people um, without their shepherd, you know. And so we see that uh, quite often in the at, at the end of the laments. And then finally, a hymn or blessing, number seven. And that after, you know, confessing confidence in God uh, and his ability to respond, uh, you're, you're going to see sort of that, that, that praise kind of come through at the end um, for, for many of the lament psalms. So there's also different types. So we have patterns that we see, we have a structure that they often follow, and there's also types of lament psalms. And, you know, primarily laments are defined by mood, right? Um, it's sort of that a uh, little bit, you know, definitely sad, or there's something horrible that's happened mm-hmm. or about to happen. And really, there are three types of these complaints, right? Uh, for one, the psalmist may be troubled by his own thoughts and actions. Uh, you see this like in Psalm 51, for instance. Uh, he may complain about the actions of others against him. Uh, a lot of times they're referred to as the enemies. Uh, they're often, you know, pretty vague as to exactly who these enemies are. But you can tell that there are others that are are coming against the psalmist, and he is crying out to God for deliverance. And sometimes he may even be frustrated by God himself. So we're going to look at all three of these as well. Psalm 42 for through 43, um, often uh, seen as a single psalm. Uh, they're often taken together. Uh, but it, it's a really great example of all three of these. But we'll get into that in just a minute because it also uh, gets into some things that uh, Brian's going to talk about here. Yeah, and uh, just kind of looking at that, like the the types of lament. I mean, I'm just looking at that, and I see uh, Job. Like the Book of Job is is just yeah. one long lament where he for sure he goes back and forth with all that his his friends are blaming him, and he's declaring right. his innocence, and you know, he kind of struggles with you know I I get that you know that you know I know I haven't sinned, and and I know that I'm being you know I'm in suffering, and so can God even be good and Right and uh, and God's big answer to him was, you don't have the right to ask. It's, <laughs> it's not he doesn't even answer the question. He just says you don't have the right to ask. 
and uh and so sometimes that's the answer and so that's where were you oh man yes um so i I wanted to first kind of get into this idea of addressing god as god um before we can come to god with our lamentation we must know who god is uh and so some of the pertinent basics are that god is in control we have to believe that we have to believe that god is good we have to believe that God's plan is perfect, that God hates evil, that God does not delight in human suffering. Uh, if we don't believe those things, we can't tether ourselves to God's promises as we wrestle with our sin and with our suffering. And uh, I'm going to kind of skip down to the third question for a little bit. And I'm going to say, um, you know, we can only trust in God's promises through faith. Uh, so when we think about, you know, how can we even trust his promises? We trust it through faith and we can only have faith by hearing his word in uh, in Romans 10, it says, you know, faith comes through hearing and hearing from the word of God. You know, if, if we are not constantly wrestling with our suffering through the lens of scripture, we will fall prey to, uh, to lies about God and we will doubt his goodness. We will lose hope. And, uh, and often we will leave the faith. Uh, I've, I have a, a good friend who, uh, he kind of slowly chinked away this idea of the inerrancy of scripture. And as he kind of brick by brick removed that idea of the, um, the infallibility of, of scripture, he eventually became an atheist and walked away. And so when we when we refuse to tether ourselves to the word of God, we our our lament will just turn into, um, it'll just turn into a, a deconversion story. Um, There's nothing sadder than that. We have yeah. seen so many examples of that over the past. It's just horrible. Yeah. The idea of, of lament, you know, why do we lament is, we have to understand why is there suffering why and and what is a legitimate grievance i, I mentioned we we bring our legitimate grievance to god and uh so how can we define what a legitimate grievance is and and i wrestled with this question uh for the last couple of weeks as we prepared for this and, and i i i believe that the idea of legitimate grievance is found in the understanding of the weight of sin the fall and the subsequent curse found in Genesis three, um, as sin entered the world, we are met with at least four types of consequences of sin. Um, and these can be, uh, as a direct and or an indirect result of your own and, or another person's sin. It's a lot of and ors in that statement, but, uh, it can be direct. It can be indirect. It could be both. It could be your sin. It could be someone else's sin. It could be, both, but sin uh, leads to four types of, of consequences. Um, the first is a legal consequence, and this can be you know your legal standing before God. Um, ultimately, you sin once, you are guilty before God, and so that sin and that that consequence uh, being in a negative legal standing before God. I mean that's that's an eternal weight. That, that you can't bear on your own. Um, but at the same time, it could affect your legal standing before man. So even if God forgives you of the sin, 
you may still have a, a consequence here on earth. Just because you got saved in prison after you murdered someone doesn't mean that you're going to be let out of prison. Um, and so sin could have that, that legal, that, that legal effect. Um, it can also have, uh, relational consequences, um, your relationship with God. Uh, and I th think of like the first table commandments, um, you know, the, yeah, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, you shall not make any idols. Uh, you know, keep the Sabbath holy and don't take the Lord's name in vain. Got those last two mixed up. But those are basically the relationship with God. You know, if you are breaking the, that first table, you know, you're not being you're not being a good friend to God. Not that we are supposed to be friends to God, but you know, we're we're not being a like we wouldn't we wouldn't expect our friends to forgive us if we had those types of sins against him. Um, and so why do we expect God to just brush it off? Uh, also it can affect our relationship with man, you know, different sins can affect our relationship with man. I think of like the second table, you know, if you steal something from your friend, your friend's not going to be too happy with you. If you covet his things, if you lie to him, you know, we're going to, you're going to have, a messed up relationship with men, um, through those, through those sins, even if you are forgiven, even if you, you kind of make penance with them and, and try to build your trust back, you know, it's going to take time. Uh, you steal something once you know, may forgive you right away. If you steal something three or four times, they're not going to trust you with their things, even if they forgive you. Um, it can also have some physical consequences, uh, and I put in here under my notes, results from wrath, results from lust, and results from negligence. Um, I don't want to get into too specifics, but, you know, if you, um, if you got into a fist fight with someone and, you know, you, you broke their arm, you know, their, or they broke your arm, you know, that's a physical result, uh, from, from sin. Um, results from lust. Uh, there's a few different things, um, diseases, um, pregnancy, you know, different, different things, or even just, um, you know, if you have an affair, you know, that could also lead to wrath situations. But also I thought about like results from negligence. Um, if you are out driving late, later than you should, and you fall asleep at the wheel, you can have some very permanent um, consequences. And lastly, I put uh, environmental consequences. And these are things that I would say were indirect um, results. And this is just from the fall, from the curse. I have famine, pestilence, war, and death, uh, also known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But, um, you know, famine and, and disease and endless wars and even just premature unexpected death those are things that happen because we live in a fallen and broken world um and uh we have no control over them they aren't necessarily the result of any one particular sin but because sin entered the world death entered with it and, uh, a terrible consequence for sure. Terrible consequence. And as we experience these consequences of sin and wrestle with them, uh, we must learn how to reconcile uh, the classic question. 
How would a truly good God allow real evil to exist? And this is the heart of true lament. We rest in the truth that God is good as we grieve sin, injustice, tragedy, and loss. And we hope for the restoration to come. And, um, you know, just as that list of consequences is vast, complex, and really it's incomplete, the variety of lamentation found in the Psalter is also vast and it's also complex. Um, but theologians have grouped them into four major categories. We have uh, community uh, lament, and that's like general grievances from the nation of Israel. Uh, we have individual uh, lament, which is general grievances from the particular psalmist. Uh, we have uh, penitential, which is a specific grievance, owning and repenting from sin, and imprecatory, which is a specific grievance, calling for the judgment of others' sins. And I've got a long list that I found on Google that is probably incomplete, uh, but we'll post that in, in I'll the I'll put show that notes. on the website for uh, sure. But yeah, the penitential psalms, there's uh, really seven of those that are considered penitential. Uh, the communal, I think that there were something like 12 or so. I think that list has more than that. But um, an imprecatory, I, I saw one list that had a whole lot more. Like if there was one line from a psalm that called it would, it would count that one in there but there were there's just a handful of them that are really considered imprecatory psalms but the individual psalms i think all the ones listed in here are um i think those are just the ones that are almost purely um lament though there's a lot sure. of like even psalm 119 has a whole lot of lament in it even though it's considered to be a praise psalm um but uh yeah it's tricky how you know, different different uh, theologians will group them differently too. I mean, yeah. one commentary will say one thing, and another will group it slightly differently. So, uh, I think what's important though is that we understand the principle behind the lament, so that we can rec- learn to recognize it uh, where we see it in the Psalms and in other scripture too. Yeah, and uh, I think in the Bible Project, and I didn't plan on talking about this, but in the Bible Project uh, read scripture video on the Psalms, I think it lists like the beginning of the Psalter is a lot heavier on lament uh, than on praise, but by the end of the Psalter, it's a lot more about praise than lament. Um, Both praise and lament are scattered throughout the entire Psalter, but the beginning of the Psalter is it's really front loaded with it. Um, which is also interesting that the book one of the Psalter is exclusively written by David. And so, so book one is by David and the laments are very front loaded, which would Im- imply that David wrote more laments than anything else. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to take this time to jump into uh, a few of the uh, laments. I have uh, a couple picked out from, or at least one picked out from each of those four categories and a couple other specific ones I want to look at. Um, Psalm 12 is one of the communal laments. And I was reading through this one and I, I just see today. Like this one is really, really uh, just hits home today. It says, uh, save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. 
for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Uh, Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is the master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace, on the ground purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. So there we see, yeah, that is, is this what you're saying with communal, like the entire community is kind of lamenting together? Yeah. 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 It's, um, you know, it's, it's the group coming together and, and, uh, and, and lamenting. Um, I I like how, I, I really like how this Psalm really focuses on this idea of, the tongue and on the flattering lips. And uh, as I watch presidential debates and, uh, <laughs> and, and I hear, you know, just different politicians talk about different things. This, this one really hits home like that last verse, especially on every side, the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Like, that's just what I'm seeing constantly with, with the whole, with the protests and with, the Antifa and, and all that stuff that's going on, you know, it's just vileness is being exalted among the children of man. Um, what's wrong is right. What's right is wrong. Yeah. Um, everything turned on its head. And, and as it, and as it talks about, you know, these, you know, I'm seeing all these peoples around us and they're just, you know, they're, they're their lips are evil. Their tongue is evil. They're just saying, they're saying all these, things that are just wrong they're 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 saying vile things and they're exalting that it has a little bit of the the imprecatory element may the lord cut off all flattering lips uh, but then in the middle it has that that hymn you know the words of the lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground purified seven times um one of the uh, psalm paraphrases that i, I listened to it's uh, my soul among lions their version of it it says um, yeah, the words of the Lord are pure words, like several, like silver refined in a furnace. I don't much care for your words. Um, I like that line. <laughs> I don't much care for your words. And, uh, that's kind of like what the rest of the Psalm is about, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really liked that one. I, I thought that the, uh, it's, it's really, uh, kind of a dip your toe in the water lament Psalm. It's, it's, got a nice little bow on it i would say um it's very succinct easy to follow uh, has all the elements there but uh yeah i like that one a lot um the next one i have is for i have it as individual and it's psalm 42 and 43 uh, i'm gonna yeah. turn that one over to you because you had some, some extra stuff to talk about on that one well sure Um, So it reads, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. 
how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So there... Taking us back to the types of laments that we covered earlier, we see the all three present here. First of all, the psalmist is troubled by his own thoughts and actions. Uh, in verse 5 and 11 of chapter 42 and 43 verse 5, uh, it, kind of both Psalm 42 and 43 end on the same note. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Um, so the, the psalmist there is concerned you know, with himself. He's kind of talking to himself about this, which, as a side note, I would strongly recommend reading Richard Sibbs on this in his book um, that I've forgotten. (laughs) Uh, He goes into many, many reasons uh, why we do have cause to hope in Christ, even in in tough times, uh, even when the world is against us. Uh, and it's definitely very helpful. And it's helpful too, because you're able to talk to yourself that way. Like, hey, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you in turmoil? Put your hope in God. Um, Psalm 42, verse 3 says, uh, men say to me all day long, where is your God? And we see kind of this theme promoted throughout the the psalm. And here the complaint is a little different. Here the complaint is against the enemies or the others. Uh, Like many of these, they're not very specific. And that's actually helpful because you can kind of read any uh, enemy into that where, hey, these people are against me. They're telling me, hey, where is your God? Um, And the complaint there is because of these people doubting 
uh, in God and are like making, you know, light of you because you are following some God, uh, the God. So we, we see the psalmist kind of expressing that. And then Psalm 42 verse 9 is a really great example of even being frustrated with God himself. So right at the very middle, if you take these psalms together, is this phrase, I say to, my God, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So we see him dress, uh, addressing God directly, saying, hey, why have you forgotten me? Just like we saw in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you have all three there. And um, it's it's also categorized as an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And Brian, I didn't know if you had more to say about uh, how it's an individual psalm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's individual in, like, it's the psalmist is crying out. Like, the psalmist is... Uh, is the the one who is is voicing this this is not something that the that he feels like that this represents the community at large though i mean it 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 probably represents the individual of every member of the community at large but not as a community um you know for as in psalm 12 you know there are these men who are lying and who are speaking vilely and who are doing this and they're affecting the whole congregation. Um, whereas this is just my soul. My soul is only, you know, is only in turmoil within me. It's my, my soul isn't, isn't, uh, causing everyone to, to be in turmoil. It's just causing me to be in turmoil. Um, and so that's, I think that that's one of the things that that's important to note is that it's okay to be upset at the people that are disrupting the community. And it's also okay to be upset with the things that are bothering me personally. Um, and, and I really think that it's important for us to understand that, you know, these three types of, of, of laments, you know, the, um, the grievance against, um, myself, the grievance against an outsider and a grievance against God, you know, we, we feel like we can't say those things or that we shouldn't say those things. But here we have the Holy spirit writing these things and, and we kind of get that. We, it's, it's helpful to understand we have the permission to grieve and to wrestle with these particular things, even against God himself. I've heard a pastor kind of describe it before, like where we're invited to pray our fears and our anger and uh, sadness, all of that, praying that to God. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, you know, things like anger where you're, you're kind of divided between you can either lash out. Or you can bottle it up, which will eventually just lead to other problems. So what's the answer? And it's really through these types of, especially like, it seems like individual laments, where you're able to bring uh, these things before God and talk to him about them. And seek again his peace and reorient ourselves towards him uh, rather than being focused on the the problem or the, the hurt or the pain. Yeah, and it's and it's worth noting that um, the individual 
lament psalm is like the vast majority of all of the laments. Um, there's a handful of community, a handful of penitential, a handful of imprecatory, and a whole boatload of the individual psalms. And so, um, <clears throat> especially if you count 42 and 43 as two separate psalms. Sure. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it comes at an interesting place in the Psalter because it's between both books one and two. Uh, it kind of bridges that gap. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously very connected, but also they're kind of connecting those two books together too. Yeah. Um, I believe. All right. Uh, the, the next category is the penitential. Uh, and these are the ones that are very heavily on repentance and repenting of your own personal sin. Uh, probably the most famous of all of the penitential Psalms is Psalm 51. Uh, if you remember the narrative, uh, David uh, first was not at war with his, the rest of his army like he was supposed to be. He stayed at home. He spied his neighbor taking a bath on the roof and went and uh, had an affair with her, got her pregnant, had her husband come to try to trick him into breaking one of the most minor of all of the laws to uh, to make him think it was his kid. He would not because he was more noble than David. So David, of course, did the noble thing and had him murdered. And Nathan the prophet approached him about with a narrative about a little lamb and... and uh, man loved his little lamb like a pet and so his neighbor took it and ate it because that's just glorious and uh, David was enraged and Nathan said you are that man probably one of the most familiar and relatable to a degree uh, passages in the scripture and just the brokenness that David had upon realizing his own sin and being called out on his own sin led to Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. 
Then he will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. So with this particular psalm, you know, we have um, you know, this grievous sin that David committed. So, you know, a, really a a string of grievous sins that he committed. Um and he was truly repentant of them. Um and this is just a very raw and very honest appeal for mercy. Uh you know, he he fully admits his own sin and he fully admits his desire to be cleansed of that sin because he realizes that until he is cleansed from this sin, he cannot have that relationship with God. His relationship with God was broken and, um, and he needed to be made clean before he could have the, that relationship even begin to be restored. And, uh, and so I, I find that, and it helps to understand the Levitical law of cleanliness, uh, to understand this particular psalm, because you couldn't enter into the uh, into the tabernacle if you were impure or if you were unclean, and so his sin had made him unclean, and so he could not come close to God, and so he's he's you know he's asking to be made clean once again, you know, wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Um, and so that way he can come close to God once more. Uh, one thing that that is very interesting in this, and most people pick up on this right away, but it says, against you and you only have I sinned. And, uh, and I think that just shows the weight of sin. God takes sin so seriously, and, and sin affects our relationship with God so much that um, while, yes, he did sin against Bathsheba, he did sin against Uriah the Hittite. He did sin against the general that he gave the order to to have Uriah killed and any other soldiers that may have died in that particular plot. He sinned against really the whole nation of Israel, but his sin against them paled in comparison to his sin with God, that it was as if he sinned against God and God only. And, uh, and that's how much our sin weighs against God. Yeah, a lot of times people will kind of take that and say, you know, whoa, 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 you know, didn't he sin against all these other people that you mentioned? And yeah, that's true. He did. But um, the sin against God was most grievous of all because that is what can, uh, you know, keep you from, you know, out of God's presence, which is uh, a far greater consequence than, than anything here. Yeah. Yeah, you can have full restoration this side of eternity, and it's meaningless. Because if you if you don't get your relationship right with God, then you still spend eternity in hell. And so that that relationship that that um, you know, that forgiveness is what we should seek more than any earthly forgiveness. But uh, if we, you know, when we sin against a brother. If we do have God's forgiveness, then um, we usually will get that forgiveness from the, our brothers as well. Because you know, if if we have, you know, part of the Lord's prayer, "Forgive me my trespasses, as I have forgiven uh, those who have trespassed against me," and, uh, and so we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, will will try to have that same forgiveness that we have received from God. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't work for it, or that we should just expect it. But 
I'm pretty sure exactly. that David didn't just take that for granted either. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we see um, as God works um, and answers David's prayer, sure, uh, there are definitely still consequences. Um, we see not only the child that he and Bathsheba conceived uh, die, mm-hmm. um, but you also see kind of the um, remaining um, kingdom, you know, just kind of fall into not as great as it was. You see his sons committing uh, sexual sins. Uh, mm-hmm. You see, um, y- you know, it's just maybe not as grand and glorious as it was before. Yeah. And, and um, still find, find it completely interesting that the line of Christ comes from Bathsheba. Um, and so the, the sin is redeemed as far as that goes, but there's jealousy. There's great jealousy between his older children and Solomon. And those are the, the consequences that, that we still face and that we still wrestle with. And I think that, you know, David wrestled with his sin. And I think that's why, to a lot of degree, that we see that he's a man after God's own heart. I think David really understood the weight of his sin. That didn't make him immune to sin. And it, and most people in the church today will not sin as grievously against uh, another human being as David did. Um, outwardly, um, but we do it in our hearts every day, and uh, and you know, we still have we still pay consequences for even those sins. Um, but I would like to make it onto this last uh, this last category of the imprecatory psalms, and I think the most famous sure. of those is uh, Psalm one thirty seven. Ah, uh, oh, yes, this is. Uh, known a lot as by the waters of Babylon. This the 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 lead up to it is, you know, Israel or Judah has been taken captive by the Babylonians, and this is a a psalm written in captivity, um, and so that would make it one of the last of the psalms in the Psalter to have been written. Um, I don't think it's the last. I think there's a second temple psalm, but. Um, This goes, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us song. And our tormentors, mirth, sang, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Um, and it's that last verse that I think causes the most problems. Um, you know, how, how dare somebody say anything about a little one being dashed against the rock? A uh, little one being baby. Um, right, I thought you were a pro-life man. <laughs> Yes, I, 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 I am. And uh, 
and I and I've wrestled with this particular psalm, just like I believe everybody has wrestled with this psalm. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, just getting this context. You know, we have these, you know, temple musicians that have been taken into captivity, and uh, just from the from the the tone of this particular psalm, it sounds like they're being mocked. Why don't you sing us one of your songs about your God who is great? Ha ha ha. Where is he now? You know, that's kind of this idea that, that I'm getting. You know, they're they're being required to sing these songs of their God who will always be with them in while they're in captivity and it's and it's they're being mocked. And uh and so, you know, they've they've been taken into a foreign land. They're being mocked. Their God is being mocked. Um and uh, but they but they remember the promises of God and they have hope in the promises of God. This particular promise is found in Isaiah 13 where it says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold, and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth shall be shaken out of its place, at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. And like a hunted gazelle, or like sheep, with none to gather them, each will turn to its own people, and each will flee to its own land. Whoever is found will be thrust through, and whoever is caught will fall by the sword. Their infants will be dashed in pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. And so uh, this is a prophecy about the uh, about the judgment that will come upon Babylon. So Isaiah is prophesying, you know, Babylon will take Judah captive. This is hundreds of years before it happened. Uh, Babylon will take Jerusalem captive, but Babylon will eventually be punished, and this will happen to Babylon. And so um, the prophecy is that their infants will be dashed in pieces before their eyes, their houses will be plundered, and their wives ravished. Those are horrible, horrible things, and the Bible is not saying these aren't horrible. And, and the Bible isn't even saying that God wants this to happen. Uh, what the Bible is saying is, this is the worst things. Like this is a this is a uh, a list of the worst things that that happen in in this you know this warring and in this conquering, and these are things that Babylon is doing. And so when Israel uh, in Psalm one thirty seven, when the psalmist says, "Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock." Um, they're remembering that Babylon dashed their little ones against the rock. They're remembering that Babylon came and, uh, you know, the Babylon took their infants and dashed them into pieces. He, they took their houses and plundered them. They took their wives and ravished them. These are things that Babylon did to Israel. And somebody, 
notably the the uh, Medes and the Persians, will do that to Babylon one day. The Lord does not condone those actions, but he has prophesied that they will happen as righteous judgment. And uh, and so when Israel, when the psalmist says, blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock, they are invoking the judgment that God has already promised in Isaiah hundreds of years before uh, the captivity. And, uh, and so it's important to remember that this isn't just some sick idea that the psalmist has. The psalmist is, is remembering a specific promise, and he is uh, calling God to remember that promise as well. And God eventually does remember that promise, and the, the Medes and the Persians conquer Babylon, and uh, eventually Cyrus, the king of Persia, sends, uh, sends the Israelites the back to Israel to rebuild the temple. And so God remembered his promise and God uh, was faithful. So while yes, it is violent, while yes, it is hard to uh, to think about in a song meant to worship God in 21st century America, it's helpful to remember the context of it and it's helpful to remember um, the biblical context of it as well. Right. I, I think one of the most interesting things about this is that the psalmist here is not taking up arms, you know, not saying we're going to go out and do this. Instead, it is again, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites. You know, so he's calling on God to remember him, like you said. Uh, that was verse 7. Um, so the psalmist isn't the one taking the action, but he instead is asking God to remember those promises. And I think that's instructive for us, too, because a lot of times... Um, you know, a a sense of God's justice, I think, is really helpful. But we covered this a couple weeks ago. Um, but, you know, leaving room for God's wrath, God will avenge. Um, yeah. That's not our place. And so we read Psalms like this in the 21st century. We can look and say, look, God, look at all the injustice going on in the world right now. Um, you know, do something about it. Um, like, remember... Uh, remember this evil God. Don't let them get away with this. Don't let this injustice occur because you are a God of justice. And uh, the imprecatory Psalms, I think, can help us do that. Uh, yeah, and I, I would say that it's important to, in all of this, remembering that we address God as God. You know, God is the righteous judge of all. We remember yes. that what we are angry at is the sin uh, the grievous sin against us, um, the injustice against us, the sin, even the the just the injustice against you know a brother or a sister or even just someone we don't know, but that we remember that the injustice is a sin issue and not a political issue. That we remember that the promises of God are the forgiveness of sin and the restoration of the world and the, the judgment of sin. You know, those are the promises that we are remembering, not just something, um, for our convenience or for, you know, our political benefit. Um, specifically I'm remembering that, that song we talked about a few episodes back called wake up Jesus by Porter's Gate. Right. Um, yes. And, you know, that particular song, it was calling for something here and, and now. It wasn't calling for the punishment of sin. It was very politically motivated. And a true lament is not politically motivated. It is, it's motivated by 
by justice and but either justice or forgiveness over sin. Um, yeah, it, it's important too to remember, you know, verses like Ephesians six twelve, right, where mm-hmm. it says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Uh, and then goes on to instruct us to take up the whole armor of God so mm-hmm. that we'll be able to stand. And these imprecatory psalms kind of point us toward that a little bit. Like the, like you were saying, it's not this political, you know, here and now type of thing all the time. A lot of times we may not see justice until heaven. Right. Or, uh, you know, the Israelites who... Uh, all this happened to that the psalmist is complaining about in Psalm 137. They didn't live long enough to see, uh, many of them didn't live long enough to see uh, Babylon become, you know, uh, a a waste and land to the Medes and Persians. But the important thing is that they could rest in the promise of God and that God is going to care for them. God will, well, uh, God is a God of justice. God will repay and um, uh, you know, resting on him to take care of it rather than themselves. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this next song I want to look at is uh, it is called the darkest psalm, uh, and I, I wanted to look at this one in particular because this is I think the only lament in the Psalter that does not have um that does not end in praise or does not have that like that hymn of uh of praise in the middle of it this is this one is just a, it's it's just a downer i'm just gonna say it but uh yeah that we we actually just covered this at uh my men's psalms group on uh, wednesday yeah. mornings and yeah it's it, it it's dark it's dark um O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depth of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all of your waves, Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. 
I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. The end. Is the end in the original King James? Probably in the original King James. <laughs> um, I mean, this is... This one, uh, it was difficult to even read through. I'm, I've edited mm-hmm. out some of my, mm-hmm. my blunders, but that's probably because I've been awake since 4.15. Um, Babies. Gotta love them. Work. Gotta love it. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot I opened, you work Saturdays. I open today. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So for those playing at home, it's it's 9.50 in the PM. <laughs> PM. PM. And so, uh, yeah. So I, I would like... I, I want to point out right away that verse one is where we get this idea of, of resting in the promise. It says, Oh Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. If it had cut out that phrase, God of my salvation, there would have been no hope in this at all. But we know that he is resting in the promise of salvation. And we can read this entire Psalm through that lens because he opens with it. Um, but man, this is, there's not a lot of hope in this. This is just this is just a bad day is what's going on here. A bad week, a bad month, a bad life. Um, a dark night of the soul, so to speak. This is a dark night of the soul. But, man, there's so many questions. I love how it's structured with all of the questions because that's what we all want to ask. We all want to say, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? You know, these are questions that we all struggle with. You know, this is, these are, these are dark thoughts that we all have. And it is, it is helpful to know that, that these are normal. It's helpful to know that I'm not crazy because I'm, I'm struggling with this. But we have to remember that God is the God of our salvation, and uh, and that is it's, it's uh, it is just vital for for getting through the darkness. It's just with that light of God of my salvation, right? And uh, I mean, you can see so many comparisons between this psalm and the Book of Job, too, where um, you know. Job, which we talked about earlier, is, you know, this godly man, and everything is ripped away. Not because God did it, but because he allowed Satan to. And um, you can kind of sense that darkness that, like, oh, yeah, I have no idea what happened. I do not understand why. Um, And um, kind of like this um, continuing gnawing, like, of not knowing, of not understanding God or his ways. Yeah. And, and sometimes the point of it isn't, you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to turn and praise you. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately we will, um, we will turn and praise him if we are his, but we don't have to in the, in the moment. We don't have to in the moment. Is it good for us to? Yes. But do we have to force it out? No. It, it would be much better if it comes from the broken and contrite heart than from some forced, but here's the part of the story where I turn and I praise and there's a silver lining. We don't always have to have that. Some days we just need to lament and we just need to grieve. 
And uh, yes, we rest in the promise, but we don't have to be happy about it in the moment. And uh, and I think that's important to know. Yes. Um, can I quote yeah. somebody here? Um, so Derek Kidner wrote a wonderful commentary on uh, the Psalms here. And he wrote, with darkness as its final word, what is the role of the psalm in the scripture? For the beginning of an answer, we may note the following. It's witness to the possibility of unrelieved suffering as a believer's lot. The happy ending of most psalms of this kind is seen to be a bonus, not a due. Um, and also, the psalm adds its voice to the groaning in travail, which forbids us to accept the present order as final. Yeah. And three, uh, this author, like Job, does not give up. He completes his prayer, still in the dark and totally unrewarded. The taunt, does Job fear God for naught? is answered yet again. And four, the author's name allows us, with hindsight, to see his rejection was only apparent. His existence was no mistake. There was no divine plan bigger than he knew, and a place in it it reserved most carefully for him. Um, so again, that was uh, Derek Kidner on okay. the Psalm 88. Yeah, and, and if the entire Psalter was Psalm 88, I think that it would be, um, we would have a lot harder time drawing any sort of meaningful theology from the Psalter. But because this is just one of 150 songs, um, you know, we can we have a bigger context to read th- this through as well. And, uh, and so it's, it's good that we have this voice. It's good that we can learn from it, that we can see through it. But yeah, we, we do still get to rest in the hope that God is the God of our salvation. Um, it's one other yeah. kind of category I wanted to go through, and this is something that I, uh, I just noticed, uh, there's a question that is asked in many of the lament Psalms. I, I pulled out, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's in at least eight of, of these lament Psalms. And that's how long. And, uh, I kind of wanted to, to read through some of those. Psalm 13 is, is a, is a good one. It's, it asks many, many times. So I just want to read through that whole Psalm. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Um, and we get this question, how long will you, will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? Um, you know, we, we can feel abandoned by God, but we know that he's always with us. And he said, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. But right now, I just feel like you're gone. And, and when, how long am I going to feel this way, God? You know, we, I think we've all felt that. You know, we, we've all felt, you know, God, are you really here? You know, you know, are you, are you really close? Because it doesn't feel like it. Um, in Psalm 35, it says, 
How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, uh, my precious life from the lions. In uh, 74, it says, How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? And 79, it says, How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? And 80, it says, O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? And 89, it says, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? In 94, it says, O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? And in 119, it says, How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? So we have in there, we've got just a, a collection of, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm mad at God. Sometimes I'm mad at, you know, people sinning against God. Sometimes I'm mad at people, um, at, at people hurting me. You know, we have, you know, lots of different reasons why we ask, you know, how long will you let this go on? You know, how long will you hide your face? How long will, uh, you know, will the wicked be allowed to prevail? You know, we, we get lots of different things, but, um, you know, we, this collection, it's, it's very honest and it's very raw and it's very sobering and we can learn uh, it's okay to be vocal about our, our lack of understanding of God's will and of his timing. You know, he wants us to hate sin, both in our lives as well as in the lives of others. And you know, he wants us to seek justice, but he also wants us to love mercy. And in, uh, in these moments of unrest, while sin runs rampant, uh, you know, we, we see that God is showing his patience and his kindness as he calls the sinner to repent. And ultimately, we must rest in the assurance that sin will either be forgiven to his glory or judged to his glory. And, uh, and just you know, remembering that, remembering to, to seek justice and to love mercy. You know, it's hard to do, but you have to be patient. You know, God's timing is perfect. And while we can ask that question, how long, we must remember that it, that the Lord will let it happen until uh, until the right time. Amen. I don't have anything okay. to add to that. That's really good. <laughs> Thank you. So that was a that was a lot. We've been talking for a while. Um, yeah, I think we read a lot of scripture just then. I like reading scripture. I think that. Reading scripture is 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 a good way to uh, just let it all soak in. But uh, I, I challenge you guys to, to listen to go back and read through those psalms slowly. Um, do some research to them yourselves because we flew through them and we still talked for a long time. But I think that the scripture helping to interpret scripture is the best way to to get through the hard uh, the hard parts. I will go ahead and and, uh, and sign off, and I will see Grant in four minutes when we start recording the bonus <laughs> episode. All um, right. And as uh, as Martin Luther said, from depths of woe I raise to thee the voice of lamentation. Lord, turn a gracious ear to me and hear my supplication. 
there is a bomb in the eye to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in the eye to heal the sin-sick soul. Never feel discouraged. Jesus is your listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast.